Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into Ephesians chapter 4. Let's do it. Ephesians chapter 4, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, like the NIV says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, if you have, does yours have a therefore? It does. Yep. So then the the ESV has a therefore, and this is really important because for Ephesians, it's a hinge point between the first half of the book and the second half of the book. The first half of the book, like if you listen to the podcast on uh, Wednesday, we were talking Mm -hmm. about the grace of God. This is who God is. This Mm -hmm. is what God has done. This is what God's accomplished in Christ. Here's the work of the Holy Spirit, softening hearts, bringing people into himself. It's been kind of a... At a macro level, here's who God is. Mm. Here's what God has done. And this is has how we have changed our positioning now in mm-hmm. Christ. Like we're now considered part of his family. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Now he's saying, therefore, let me talk right. to you about how that's supposed to practically change mm-hmm. the way you live your life. And that's what he's getting at now. Right. So if you look at verses two and three, pay attention, Bobby, you can read those for us in just a minute. These are markers and characteristics of a Christian who's growing. Sure. I therefore, a a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to bear, sorry, I need my finger, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Do you want to keep going? No, no, those are just the marks of the believer. I think humility, gentleness, patience, love, Mm -hmm. uh, peacemaking, like those are at the heart of the Lord making peace with us mm-hmm. and God, people to people, but also us as we now navigate communal life and love a world that is hurting and angry. Right. He's right. saying, hey, let your markers of peace and gentleness and humility set yourself apart because mm-hmm. deep down everyone, they can go to whatever else in public and rage and talk and drink and eat and party. But when they go home at night and they're going to bed, they're going to remember like that person that was kind and that person that was gentle and different right. than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of that. And the Lord's saying, you have a great opportunity here mm-hmm. to set yourself apart as the people of God. And uh, that's kind of what he's getting at here. We're all celebrated and brought together by one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what sticks out to me before we move on is just how it's an urge to walk in a manner. <laughs> I know this is like really minute, guys. It could say like, I urge you to sprint in a manner worthy of the calling. <laughs> Stay with me. Um, because if you've, you know, lived any amount of time on planet Earth, you know that life is a journey and it's a marathon and in walking is the correct pace. Yeah. And we talked about for that. Your joints too, I right hear. <laughs> it it, it than is. running, huh? On the cement jungle here of Los Angeles. And Paul knows. Um, but really, when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about uh, plotting and just life with the Lord, walking is the appropriate pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it keeps us, we don't get ahead of ourselves. I think it keeps us behind and under the umbrella of grace of the Lord, but, but it also lets us lead people in a, in a way that's uh, conducive to leading where we're not just leaving people yep. behind. Yep. And so that sticks out to me. And also I love the phrase bearing with one another in love. Um, I know that can be, uh, it, it says with patience, bearing with one another. I just love the imagery there. Um, and that stuck out to me also. Like, how it's a it's meant to be a communal thing but really bearing with one another um that's you know mountaintops and valleys highs lows that's the 
the burden and the joy that is life. Like as you walk this journey out together, as you labor in the Lord together, like those kind of that picture we talk about with the yoke also, where, where yeah. Jesus talks about that, that to, to take his yoke upon you and how it's a, it's a multiple person thing. He's sharing the burden with you, the community sharing yeah. the burden with anyway, you. So that I love that list. Yeah. Really good. And then for me, verse seven, next up, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. And that is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And so this is twofold. Mm -hmm. One, we know that Christ has ascended. He has risen up on Mm -hmm. high. He has poured out his Holy Spirit. He has defeated sin and Satan and death. And he's given gifts now. The Holy Spirit came. In John, he says, it's better that I go to heaven and depart from you so that I can send you another advocate, the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. He's going to be the giver of gifts. So the Holy Spirit's here now. When you go back to the Psalms, which is what's quoted here, uh, I believe it's Psalm 68, it's actually a messianic psalm of like a triumphant king rising up, coming in, having conquered his foes, becoming victorious. And that is exactly what Christ has done. And he's given now gifts. He's given gifts to his people. And so just a reminder to you, God has given you gifts and skills. And the motivation and reason for doing so is that you would love the hurting, mm-hmm. you would bless the world, and you'd bring glory to God's name. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an amazing singing voice, God did not give you an amazing singing voice just so you can build a brand for yourself and grow in popularity. He did it so that, yeah, you can be entertaining for sure, bring people um, you know, great joy, but also to glorify his name. Right. If you have an ability to make wealth and create jobs and... Um, be a vision caster. Like right. these are all gifts, but mm-hmm. God gave them to you for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so just remember whatever God's given you, it's for his glory, use them for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and we're going to celebrate what he's done. And we're part of something much bigger now as we're part of the church. And that's kind of right. what he gets at next. I think that's kind of, so the next section, just talking about how the, the saints are equipped for work in ministry for the building up of the body of Christ mm-hmm. until we will attain the unity of faith and all the fullness of Christ. Um, what sticks out to me there is I love the language that's more of like kingdom of God expansion or for to equip the saints for the work and ministry. So like Clark, you know, works at church. But that doesn't mean that's the only way to work in ministry. And I know you know that, but like really understanding that like that you, who you are, the gifts that you have were bestowed upon you by God, that, that knowledge alone is what makes me so much more willing to give it back to God, mm-hmm. understanding that that's who it came from. And then it doesn't matter physically where I am, because when I have the light of Christ in me, then I am doing kingdom of God work unto him, back to him, to the people around me, wherever I go. And so the, kind of that thought that's like, okay, like, well, my pastor will do this or my discipleship leader or, <clears throat> and it's like, well, no, it's actually. your job. Yeah. And it's yeah. all of us together. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, it's this church. I think sometimes we get the idea and picture of the church that just isn't helpful in our brains. And it's actually, it's you in the world touching people too with who you are and what, how God's gifted you and the position and the place that you are. I hear a baby. Yeah. And so what happens in verse 11, while he's talking about the equipping is Paul lays out different offices in church, different roles. He talks about how there are the apostles and there are the prophets and there are the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. And just so we're clear, the apostolic ministry, um, there's people who are called to be like ambassadors of Christ. We are not 
apostles in the sense of the original apostles that were the first eye hand witnesses were there with Jesus. Those witnesses and apostles wrote the scriptures. We are not apostolic in that way in any way. That era is done. Same thing with the prophetic ministry next. Like there are prophets that wrote in the scriptures. Um, the prophets were truth tellers. The prophets were also foretellers. It seems like there was always a sense of discernment and judging that occurred with those who had this gifting. And so we are not Elijah. We are not Elisha. We are not Amos or Haggai or any of the other prophets in the Old Old Testament. However, that prophetic word is still today. When you look at 1 Corinthians 14, um, 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts. I do feel there is a role in the church for truth-telling and foretelling, and it's not like a predicting of the future, so you can be like a magician or something like that. But it's all for the glorifying of God, the edification, the building up of his church. And uh, and so I just want to give you that. Next, the evangelist is someone who simply preaches the gospel. They preach the good news. And then pastors and teachers are shepherds of the Lord's church, shepherds of the flock, and are also teachers. And so sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side. I was talking to someone recently I just love very, very much. And this person was discouraged because they're walking in their gifting, and their gifting was faith and evangelism. And honestly, I think the discouragement was because it was not exciting and flashy as some of the other gifts, like a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or the gift of healing or anything like that. And I wanted to tell them, like, those other gifts are really, really helpful, especially like in um, um, acute situations. But the gift of faith and evangelism, like, that, that that's second to none. That's an incredible gift. God's using you to speak of Jesus because a lot of Christians don't do that well. And you're believing in this truth and you're believing it for other people, like really moving you to speak and enter difficult and uncomfortable, hard conversations and situations because that's exactly what Jesus did and Christians are called to do. And so just so you know, as you celebrate your giftings and what God's called you to do, um, it's all for the glory of God. And the grass is not greener on the other side. The greatest gift you are to the world is you being you and using what God's given you to encourage those next to you. And so the purpose for these things is listed in the next couple of verses, verses 12 and 13, again, to equip the people of works for his service. What's up, Kit? Uh, She's checking on the baby. Um, To encourage people to build up the body of Christ, to unite all until we reach unity and faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of of God. That's the purpose. That's why we have roles. That's why we're given skills so that you can become the man and woman that God made you to be and so that you can have a higher purpose and a higher calling in your life, helping those around you do the same. So what does that look like for you at home, at work, um, your next lunch, dinner date, whatever it is? How can you use what God's given you to bless, to encourage, to edify those so that they would grow up? Because what happens next is Paul's saying we can't stay as infants. We can't get blown back and forth, tossed to and fro. We've got to have roots established and be strong. He says, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. And so, again, there's teachings, there's cunning, there's deceit, there's people doing all kinds of things to gain attention, to get movements, to build a brand. And some people, uh, like when Paul's writing to Timothy, he says some people will go to different teachers just so they can satisfy the craving of their itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear. 
So it's easy to to misconstrue scripture. It's easy to take scripture out of context to suit your desires. It's easy to manipulate things so that maybe you feel justified living in sin or somebody else does. But what God's calling us here to is hold on to the scriptures as been taught and believed in for thousands of years from the early church until today, giving glory to God and keeping the focus on Jesus. And when we do that, we're going to grow up. We're going to become mature. We're going to become like those big, strong redwood trees that don't um, fall down when the seasons and the winds come. But we stay rooted and we grow big and tall and strong. And then he compares this with the world. He looks at the instructions for Christian living. He's looking at people who live in the flesh and aren't following God. The words described are like darkness of heart, an inability to um, have sensitivity, insensitive, uh, the hardness of heart. When people live in sin, we live in sin and flirt with it, entertain it. In, In time, we become desensitized to the things of God. And so if we're at a season in our life where like, I haven't met God, I haven't heard him lately, I haven't felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'd say, one, you need to get to church, two, be in the scriptures, and three, do an inventory of where you're spending your time and your money, and what are you listening to and watching? I'd say even eating and drinking. There's a call to holistic health, and the world wants none of it. They might say, hey, here's you know how you have a, a healthy body. But when it comes to the state of the soul, if God's not incorporated in that journey, we will all go to bed very lonely. We will wake up lonely and continue to search and seek for things that maybe our salt water will taste for a moment, but not actually quench and satisfy that thirst. God's calling us to to something more. And that's what he transitions to at like a high altitude calling. He's essentially saying, remember your calling. He said, this is not the way of life for you. Don't be dark. Don't be hard. Don't um, be living in sin. When we repent, we're, we're going to remember our calling and the way of life that we learned. He said, when you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires. God wants to make you new in the attitude of your mind. That's clutch right there. That's key. It's because a lot of the battles fought between your ears. What are we thinking about? What stories are we telling? What are we repeating over and over again? It has to come back to Scripture and to who God is and what God's called us to. And then the last part of the chapter, verses 25 through 32, get to practical steps for living a Christian life, like putting off falsehood. That's a good thing. Don't lie. Be honest. Remember, don't go to bed angry in your sin. Try to reconcile. Seek forgiveness. Um, Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only speak that which is helpful for building somebody up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen to you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit whom you are sealed with on the day of redemption. Then he ends by saying, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, and every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate. So again, this is a hinge point in the chapter. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 talked about who God is and what God has done and how our position before Christ has changed. Now this chapter begins very practical chapter of, hey, here's how you're supposed to live now. Here's how you're supposed to think. Here's how you're supposed to speak. Then chapter five tomorrow, we'll get to like living in within the Christian home. Uh, chapter six, we'll get more to that uh, spiritual warfare and how we're called to join God in his work right now and uh, ward off the evil one and seek the, the kingdom of God. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.